Welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. Matthew 12, verse 1 to 21. Take a moment because I'm going to read a bit. That's all right, isn't it? I'm going to read the Bible here. It's good. Matthew, Matthew 12, 1 to 21. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and they began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet they're innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you'd known these words, if you'd known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. That's a cool line. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him. Hmm. They saw him walk near the man with a shriveled hand. And they went, we're going to get him first. Is it lawful? Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? They said to Jesus. Jesus said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than the sheep Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. See that? Aware of all of this, aware of all of that, Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him and he healed all who were ill. (laughs) He warned them not to tell anyone else about him. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I've chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I'll put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice. To the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. And a bruised reed he will not break. And a smouldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice 
through to victory. Right here. In his name, nations will put their hope. Ha. So when I read through that passage, there was a bit that I just got a wondering about. You know how sometimes you start, you have wonderings? Do you have those? It's just curious to me. I kind of thought, it was there in verse 15, the bit where it says, aware of this, aware of all the stuff. Jesus withdrew from that place. And it says, a large crowd followed him and he healed all who were ill, but he warned them not to tell anyone about him. It got me wondering, why? Why did Jesus withdraw in the face of that increasing scrutiny and the pressure that the authorities were putting on him? I mean, if anyone was qualified and able and and, and had the right to make a stand before these religious authorities who were kind of getting it wrong and plotting and conspiring and misusing their power, I mean, if anybody could stand and fight, it was Jesus, right? I mean, he was confounding them with his wisdom. Oh, I can't see now, Deb, because of the bruised reed. <laughs> I won't break it. I won't break it. It was Jesus, right? Like, like he could have done that. He was the Messiah and the King. He was the one the law was all about, ultimately. So why did he withdraw when they started to conspire and overreach with their authority? Why? And why did Jesus tell all those he healed that day, don't tell anyone about me. Oh, I think that's curious, don't you? Didn't people need to know about Jesus? Isn't that why he'd left heaven and come to earth? So that people would see the revelation, perfect revelation of the Father and the goodness and the power and kingdom come. So that people would see the fullness of kingdom come. So why did he say, hey, don't tell anyone about me when he healed them? By the way, I reckon it was really cool what Jesus did. (laughs) He got in trouble for healing one man with a shriveled hand in the synagogue on the Sabbath, right? So you know what he did? He went, okay, I'll go. And I'll heal everyone who comes to me out in the wilderness. Every single one. And then he says, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Just shh. Don't tell people about me what happened. It's curious, don't you think? I give you permission to have a moment of wondering. Just look up at the roof. Why did Jesus do that? Just wonder for a bit. Because it's a really, really relevant wondering for what it's like for us to live out a kingdom agenda in the world in which we live in today. You noticed all the posturing and the overreach maybe, the things that are going on? Hmm. We're going to get to that in a moment. I just want to draw your attention to something that can shed light on this wondering, why did Jesus withdraw? Why did he tell his disciples, healed people to be quiet? There's some light to shed on that. It comes in this passage from verse 17. 
It's actually a prophecy, this little section, that the writer of Matthew chose to insert here. It's a prophecy from Isaiah who wrote these words about the coming Messiah 650 to 700 years before the Messiah came. And, and it says that Jesus with, well, it doesn't say this bit, but this is where it is, that Jesus withdrew. He did this. Jesus withdrew to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant, whom I have chosen. He's the one I love, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim true kingdom justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the street. We're just going to pause right there to consider this word imagery for a moment because it's really powerful what's being communicated here. Take a, take a moment just to reflect over Jesus' life and how he did things in, in light of these words from Isaiah. He will not quarrel or cry out. Think about Jesus' life. He will not quarrel or cry out and just wonder what instances from Jesus' life come to mind for you. For me, it's the time when he was arrested in the garden, in the middle of the night. Oh, that was a sham. That was a conspiracy being played out in the middle of the night by the religious authorities who came in a hurry so that no one knew what they were doing. And as no one could protest and they hauled him through this pathetic religious trial where they got people who made up stories. But he didn't quarrel. And he didn't cry out. You notice that? I think of Jesus' trial before Pilate. If the one before was a sham, this one was just a sinister manipulation by the authorities. Pilate was there. He was, well, he was stuck in the middle of this civil tension. And Jesus was their fodder. But he didn't quarrel. He didn't cry out with Pilate. He didn't cry out and stand up and expose the corruption. Instead, I love how he empathised with Pilate in that moment. He actually cared for him. And he had this beautiful kingdom conversation about the things of truth with Pilate right there in the midst of that huge injustice. And these things about Jesus, they might be curious sort of instances to us about how he operated, but it was nothing different from what had been prophesied about the coming Messiah 700 years before. The Messiah was not going to be someone who was primarily on about quarrelling with authorities. He was not. Let's consider Jesus' life now in terms of the the next words, no one will hear his voice in the street. You first read that and you think, well, if no one's going to hear his voice, how are they going to know about him? But ask yourself, whose voices do you usually hear in the street? Does that invoke, does it evoke any imagery in you? Voices in the street. Voices in the street. Does anyone think protests? We've seen a few lately, haven't we? We've heard voices in the street. Protesters, loud Strong voices. That's the voices you hear in the street. 
strong, loud protest, very proactive pushback against status quo and against the injustices of what's going on. That word street can also mean the square, which back in those days, the square was like, it was the place of public hearing. I guess these days it might be the six o'clock news or the morning news. Whose voices do you hear in the place of public hearing? We have become so accustomed in recent times. It's the voice of the authorities and the direction and the things they're talking about and what they want us to do. That's the voices. So in the square, you have the voices of the authorities and in that place, it also meets the heckles and the voices from the street in pushback, in heckling, in protest. That's what it's talking about here. But have a look at Jesus' life and listen to what the prophet said. No one's going to hear Jesus' voices in the street. That's not where his voice is going to be. Let's go back to our wondering. Why did Jesus withdraw? When the religious authorities ramped up pressure and scrutiny and forceful plotting and conspiracy toward him, it's because of this. Jesus had indeed come to bring justice and bring kingdom in its fullness by the power of the Holy Spirit, but he did not come to do it by mainly quarrelling with the authorities and by civil overthrow. He did not. It's not that Jesus was not aware of the reality of everything that was going on. He was just really aware. You know, those things are just such an inadequate vehicle in bringing the kingdom. There's really not much to do with it at all. Why did Jesus heal all those people? And then when he did, say, shh, shh, don't tell anyone. Well, it's because of this. It's because of this. Jesus didn't want to be part of or cause or lead a civil uprising. He knew that sort of action alone is completely inadequate and almost irrelevant when it comes to kingdom come in its fullness. So he healed these beautiful people. And then he said, don't tell anyone. Don't band together. Don't rise up. Just know the beautiful personal encounter you have had with the real God. Live that out as you go. The transformation. Huh. Any of this start to hit in on the relevance for our lives here today? You got anything going on in your heart about what it might be to see kingdom come? Prophecy doesn't stop there. It goes on a little bit more. It says this about Jesus. You may not be crying out in the street. You might not hear his voice in the square. But a bruised reed, he will not break. And a smouldering wick, He will not snuff out until he has brought justice through to victory. You see that? This is kind of the other side of the coin. In terms of Jesus and how he will bring kingdom, it's pretty clear he's not going to quarrel or cry out. He's not going to be this loud voice of civil uprising and protest in the street, but a bruised reed. He won't break. Believe it or not, this is a lettuce. (laughs) 
I won't say whether it was Kerry or me who grew it. <laughs> but <laughs> no, <knowing>, yes. <laughs> Liz says she knows. We'll just keep it anonymous. We'll. Um, <laughs> it's like it's a bruised reed, you know. It, 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 we let it. We just we didn't pick it in time, basically, and we just let. And then we didn't water it. <laughs> and it. <laughs> That you wouldn't put them in the salad. You wouldn't put... It's all shriveled up. That's, that's what bruised reed means. Bruised reed means it's, it's still there, but it's, it's crushed or it's shriveled, it's dry, it's, it's damaged. But a bruised reed, Jesus will not break. That wouldn't be there in, like that if it was broken. It'd be in pieces. It'd be beyond it. That's what the word break means. Bruised means crushed, bruised, still there, but clearly not in a great state, right? It says that Jesus will not break a bruised reed. He can't. His heart goes out to bruised reeds. He wells up with compassion to the extent that he weeps, just like he did when he walked past the man in the synagogue on the Sabbath with a shriveled up hand. He walked past and his heart welled up with compassion and he gave the man his attention. And the authorities were there. And they could tell what he was going to do. And so they entered into an argument with Jesus, to which Jesus replied. But it was never about the argument. It was about the bruised reed. Jesus' heart wells up with compassion. And he looks that man in the eye and he says, stretch out your hand. And if Jesus, you want to make that lettuce come back to life right in this moment, go for it. Stretch, wouldn't that be stretched? Stretch out there. And the man did. And the man did. Wow. I'll bet he never expected to get the individual attention of the Messiah like that. I'll bet he never thought God was that good or interested in him. But you know what? He was. He was. And the authorities from that moment started a plot to kill Jesus and aware of everything that was going on, Jesus said, a bruised reed I will not break. I'm going to breathe life and healing into the bruised reeds because that's what he was on about and because that's how kingdom comes. Kingdom doesn't come by an argument with the authorities. Kingdom comes as brood reeds encounter the power and love of God through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. That's how kingdom comes. That's how it works. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. A bruised reed he will not break. And smouldering wigs he won't snuff out. I went to Bunnings yesterday. I went looking for the biggest, baddest wick I could find. Hope no one's allergic to citronella. And I hope this lights. Come on now. It's a big wig. 
You probably can't see that real well, but I don't know about you. I, I can watch flames for hours. They're really cool. Love flames. That's just going to get a bit of a burn on. They look great. That's what they were made to be. When they're burning like that, it's awesome. And then something comes and they get blown out. That's a smoldering. <laughs> you probably can't see. There's a little red bit in here. That's a, that's a smoldering wick. Something has come and, and, and blown it out. At the moment, it's still smoking and there's still little embers in there. And it's, they, they, they are trying to keep shining, but they've been overwhelmed and they've been blown out and it knows Smouldering wicks, no, unless something from outside myself comes, well, what's going to happen? It's just going to, it's just going to snuff out. It's just going to snuff out. <clears throat> I'd say if the man with the shriveled hand was a bruised reed, I'd say then that the people who followed Jesus out to wherever he withdrew to um, were a little bit like smouldering wicks. People who had been going along in life and then something happened. Oppression, sickness, pain and hurt, injustice, just some sort of trauma. And they knew, I've been, I've been blown out. I, I can't, I want to shine but I can't get out of this place. And they're sort of smouldering away and they know if something outside of myself doesn't happen for me, I suspect that in my life I'm just going to keep going until I just, just snuff out. And so they heard about that guy with the shriveled hand and they heard Jesus was there. And so everyone like that from that area went and followed Jesus. They went and find him and they were seeing, thinking, He's going to have to do something for me because I can't bring myself back to life. And so they went out. Smouldering wicks, he will not snuff out. Smouldering wicks, he won't. They went out there on the same day that guy's hand was healed. And no matter what their infliction was, when they came to him, Jesus healed every single one of them. All of them. He healed them. Set free. I'll bet they never met anyone so good. I'll bet their life had never been changed in an instant like that. And I imagine there would have been a lot of celebration. And he said, shh, don't make your life from this point on manning an uprising. Don't. Just know the beautiful transformation that has come from the God of gods who loves you so much and is interested in you and brings healing and brings his kingdom like that. Just live in the reality of that and let that shine because that's how kingdom comes. It's not about civil uprising. It's about a God who personally encounters bruised reeds and smouldering wicks and changes their lives in that moment. Jesus never wanted to fight with the authorities. 
He never wanted to get tied up in all that. I mean, he did engage sometimes. He did. And sometimes he didn't shy away from those moments. But he wasn't bringing his kingdom like that. He wasn't. It was always about bruised reeds and smouldering wicks. Jesus was better than people ever imagined. And he came to bring a kingdom that was bigger, more gracious, with more healing and life than people ever knew. That's why he withdrew. It is simply not about quarrelling with authorities. It is simply not about hearing strong voices in the street. It's about bruised reeds and smouldering wicks. He just wanted to love people. That's it. He just wanted to love people. He wasn't about anything else. He just wanted to encounter hurting people and breathe life into them like they never dreamed. That's cool, hey? That's cool. So I just want to ask a few questions. These are like questions to kind of ponder about your own life as we live for Jesus in our crazy world. I heard someone say the other day, it is like the world has gone mad. It really is, hey? It really is. Two years ago, I didn't even know what a pandemic was. Seriously, someone started using the word pandemic in the media and I had to go look it up. What is that? What's a pandemic? Who knew a virus could change the world? Life's been incredible. And we've seen the, the jostling and the moves of governments and authorities. They're trying to govern a situation that's not governable. It's not. It's not their fault. It's just they, nations can't govern this stuff. And so they jostle and they manoeuvre. And then I don't know how you've found it in your Christian life, but there's plenty of voices around that like to tell us how we should respond. On Facebook's the worst. Wow. Talk about voices in the street. Whew. There's one of my Christian, oh, maybe this is incredible. I'm going to tell it anyway. One of my Christian friends posted, if you're a Christian and you're an anti-vaxxer, let me know so I can defriend you and wave goodbye. Oh. Yeah, another one was like, if you're a Christian, you're not vaccinated, think again. Think again. I was like, wow. And there's other beautiful people well-meaning are so drastically concerned with what's really going on with the authorities and what we're really injecting into our bodies with the vaccine. And that really sort of saying, alarm, alarm, conspiracy, things are on the move. I don't know how you find, I'm even nervous talking about it. <laughs> but I thought, no, we're going to. Because I'm just a Christian guy trying to make my way. I know what I believe, but it is increasingly complicated to know how to actually live that out. Do you find that? I haven't changed anything I believe about Jesus. 
but how I stand for him in this day and age and in all of... And COVID's only one thing. There's a gamut of stuff. It is more complicated to know how to live our lives as Christians these days. So I just... I just want to ask you some questions. As you live for Jesus in this world, where are you? Considering our passage, where would you put yourself? Are you in the street of Facebook? (laughs) Making loud voices? Having your say? Or would you be located in that place of withdrawal with the broken reeds and the smouldering wicks where where would you say you are huh what about how you're living where's your energy being spent what about your your time are you busy in the town square keeping on top of the latest legislation and the latest updates did you hear what they said there I think this is behind that are you keeping a look on all the conspiracies and the mandates and the things and with deep concern or are you truly moved by compassion and is your energy and time going into truly working out kingdom compassion and kindness and love in Jesus name to broken reeds and smouldering wicks that's two questions out of three the third one What would it look like for you this week if you decided to do what Jesus did in that passage? Aware, I'm not saying turn a blind eye, aware of all of this. The only one who had the right and could do it with a right heart to stand and fight withdrew. so that he could be with the bruised reeds and this wick that has come back to life and so that he could breathe life into hurting, broken people's lives and so people could encounter the one true God who loves people so much and so their lives can be changed and so the plan was that as he continued to do that and as we do that, true kingdom justice will be proclaimed through to what? Did you see what it said? Through to what? Victory. Victory. Where are you? Are you in the street? Are you crying out? Are you arguing and quarrelling? Or is it bruised reeds will not be broken with you? Is it that smouldering wicks will not be snuffed out? I just want to pray. I just want to pray. Just as I'm speaking, yeah, I think there's bruised reeds and smouldering wicks right here. And so I just want to speak with the way that Jesus has given me authority to do. I just want to speak kingdom healing. I just want to speak kingdom compassion, whatever it is, oppression, sickness, injury, whatever has come to blow out 
the flame, however it is that there is a shriveledness or dryness. I want to speak kingdom love and empathy and the individual attention of almighty God with love all over you right in this moment. I just want to speak healing. I want to speak freshness. I want to speak stretching out in places where stretching out hasn't been possible before. I want to speak flames of life to be reignited right in this very moment. And I want to thank you, Father. I want to thank you, Father, that the way your kingdom comes is so radically different to how this world operates. And thanks that you've wrapped us up with you. And I want to pray that as we go from this place today, that you'll, oh, first I want to say sorry, because sometimes we get militant and sometimes we get wrapped up in the fight. I think it's because we're scared. And I think it's because we don't really know what to do. And I think it's because we strive to do something and there's lots of voices around us. But sorry, when we become solely and exclusively voices in the street. Or sorry when we think it's in the square where your kingdom comes. Sorry, Lord. Just open our eyes and our hearts to the reality, the breadth, the magnitude of your beautiful, beautiful kingdom. Come, Holy Spirit, open our eyes to bruised reeds and smouldering wicks, and it may, in fact, be ourselves. Open our eyes to where there's hurt and needs that your heart moves with compassion for and take us there. Take us there and we offer ourselves this morning to be agents of your compassion and love and peace and healing. Reorient us in your beautiful free way to operate with you in your kingdom until there's victory, victory in lives of people all around us in our crazy world, our crazy world. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to Hope Community Podcasts. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, have the best week.